very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show. Today, I'm take, talking to Dr. David Moffat. Dr. David Moffat is the founder of the Ultimate Patient Experience. He's calling in from Sydney, Australia, and I'm in Toronto. I'm Narain, your host. Dr. Moffat, welcome. Oh, thank you, Narain. Thank you for having me. Um, I've, of course, heard a lot about you, and um, we have been chatting on Facebook and getting to know each other uh, virtually for a while. Um, I wanted to um, have you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I know you speak uh, across the world, um, and I know a lot of people have heard you either on, on the internet or live, uh, but those of us who don't know a lot about you, you know, tell us your story. How did you get into dentistry? Um, how long have you been practicing? What's the one thing that you feel you really mastered? And then, of course, how did you decide to help others? So let's take it slow and uh, spend maybe 10 to 15 minutes just getting to know you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Four questions in one. Uh, Noreen, I, I went straight into dental school from, um, from high school. So what happened was that, uh, you know, I was always uh, encouraged at high school to pursue uh, an intellectual career to either be a, you know, to study hard at school and see if I could become a doctor or a, a veterinarian or a, or a dentist or a lawyer. And so when I, when I, I really had my heart set on being a doctor, a medical doctor, um, but I didn't get the marks to get into medical school, but I did get the marks to go to dental school. And, and, I, and despite that, I, you know, it wasn't until the very last day. And my mother said to me, she said, well, look, you know, why go back to high school again and finish, do another year? If you didn't want to be a dentist, why did you put it down? And I said, well, all right, well, let's give dentistry a go. So off I went to dental school and I studied hard the first year and it, you know, it, was, it was fun. The second year I studied really, really hard. And after two years, I, got a, I, I, I did get accepted into medical school. But by that point, I had decided that dental school wasn't so bad and that, um, that uh, I only had three more years to go and then I could be out, um, out of dental school and be working and, and earning a living rather than being, you know, go back to medical school and study for another five more years on top. I, 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 I was all burnt out from studying. So I, I finished my dental um, dental degree. I think one of the, the reasons that I kept at that was that in second year, you know, uh, in dentistry, I w there was only two students in my year who I, who I say did not get a pass and that one of them was me. I got three distinctions and two credits out of five subjects, no passes. I was, I was above 65% on every subject and only two in the year. But for, for that achievement, I still didn't receive any recognition. And I thought I'm working too hard academically and, uh, and I, I've really um, got a grip on, on how, how to get through academically. So for the, for the remaining um, three years, for two of those years, I, I worked uh, in a local um, recreational club at, uh, near my home as a, as a barman and a waiter. And it's during that time, you know, I used to work five nights a week while I was, you know, at uni to dental school doing dentistry five days a week. And but it's during that time I learned um, my customer service and my sales skills and how to relate with people. And I think that that was probably a very good foundation for me for when I became a dentist was that ability to become someone's friend. Because as a barman, sometimes you do have to become someone's friend. Well, certainly if you want to get paid good tips, um, you really have to be relatable to different people on, on a number of subjects. So anyway, so I, I graduated. I worked uh, for four years um, at a couple of jobs, one of them for three years, and I learned a lot of um, business skills 
care. And then, then I bought my own office at the start of 1987. And I worked in that office for 28 years, for 21 of those as the owner, and then I sold it. And then for seven years, I worked on managing that office for the, for the owners of the practice. And I, um, I left there in, at the end of 2014 because I needed some shoulder surgery. I had a, a, an arthritic condition in my right shoulder that needed uh, a replacement uh, of the shoulder joint. And so I did that and then came back working part-time for a couple of years, but I've just recently um, retired from clinical wet finger dentistry. Uh, you asked me, how did I get into uh, my career as coaching and consulting? And, and that was really quite simple. Um, after I sold my business and I was working on in it and I had a, a very specific five-year contract initially, I was looking at what I could do. And a couple of people that I knew in the dental industry, um, one, an American uh, speaker, coach, uh, consultant, Linda Miles, and a, and a good friend of mine in the, in the speaking profession down here in Australia, Winston Marsh, both said to me, you know, you have a very good story to tell about how you build a, a very successful business and you've accumulated a lot of knowledge over the years, it would be a shame to see that knowledge not shared. And so that's how the ultimate patient experience came about. I, I, I decided that I would tell my story about how I took a, a, you know, a small one-man, one dental assistant practice. That was it, two people. Because I, when I bought it, that was, a, that was all. There was me and a staff of one. And I turned that into a, uh, at its height, it was uh, a two location, seven chair, uh, three and a half dentists, two and a half hygienists, and um, uh, four, eight, eight other staff, you know, four office staff and four clinical staff as well. So uh, it was, you know, it went from a practice that was doing uh, $10,000 a month to doing you know, $3.2 million a year in the space of 20, 23 years. So it was, it, was a, it was a very successful business. So telling that story is people want to know, well, how did you do that? And so that's what I did. I, I, uh, you know, I worked out a, a program of how I, how I, I, I created a, a team that was customer-focused and, you know, I wrote a book, which is uh, an Amazon bestseller and, uh, and, and that's it. And that's where I've arrived today, Noreen. That's great. Um, let me jump in. Uh, I love the title, The Ultimate Patient Experience. Um, can you elaborate on that? So I assume the heart of your success came from the ultimate patient experience. Yeah, well, what, what we did was we looked at, you know, I, kn I knew that the that in my business I was doing something fairly unique, you know, to get people to come back to my office. Um, yeah, my office was in a working class part of Sydney, so it wasn't in, you know, Sydney Harbour, Sydney Opera House, Sydney Harbour Bridge, uh, Finding Nemo style part of Sydney. It was, it was in a, yeah, it was in a, 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 a small homes, factory area, a business area. Uh, you know, where people, you know, just lived in average homes, drove average cars, had average jobs and average incomes. But yet in that dental office, you know, we were very popular, you know, $3.2 million is a lot of dentistry to be doing, you know, in 2010. And, and we were, we were charging fees higher than our, our neighbors in dental practices, uh, you know, next door down the street. And yet people were coming, you know, we were getting no uh, rejection of, of our fees because people perceived they were getting good quality work with, with great service. And so we, we, we knew that we were on a, a winning formula, but we, we didn't really have a, a structure as such. And it was just coincidentally at that time, I was, uh, I was a member of a mastermind dental group in the US and I used to travel four times a year across to the US for a two-day meeting and uh, a chap was invited in to, from outside of dentistry to present and on customer service and 
And I, and I sat there in awe listening to this, this chap and I thought his system is what I need to just solidify what I'm doing. I'm doing what he's talking about, but I don't really have a, a structure to it. And so I, um, I, I, I went and heard him again. Um, he, uh, he, he, coincidentally, he was coming to Australia and speaking. So I went, I flew into state to hear him. And after I, I, I heard him, I thought I've got to do his course. And he had a four day course. And, you know, I can remember ringing my wife from interstate and saying, you and I have to go and do this course on, on how he's got this customer service system. It's what we need. It's the final piece in the puzzle that will glue us all together what we're doing. And it, it basically centered around uh, building your business on what is best for the customer. So traditionally dental coaching is about, you know, this is how you set up your trays. This is how you set up your rooms. This is how you, you structure your office. This is how you employ your team. Um, this is how you write a lab form. This is how you glue in a crown. Uh, have I mentioned the customer in that scenario? No. No. And so a lot of dentistry is done where the customer just fits in, jumps on the conveyor belt and gets spat out the other end. And I thought, you know, that's, that's not, you know, we, we need customers in dentistry. We need people paying our bills and being happy to pay our bills. And because we do, dentistry is expensive anyway. And the only way to be successful is to have lots and lots of satisfied customers. The other thing, Narin, was that I would attend dental meetings you know, my local study group meetings and dentists would say, you know, I see 150 new patients a month. I see 60 new patients a month. I see, I'm thinking, what are they doing with all these new patients? Because I was seeing 20 new patients, one a day, and that was all that I needed. And I thought, what, are, are they burning them? Are they churning them? Are they, are, they, are they not retaining them? What is going wrong? Because it made no sense to be seeing that many new patients and marketing for that many new patients and then just spitting them out. The analogy is, you know, a, a bucket overflowing with new patients but lots of leaky holes. I thought that can't be a good reputation to have as well because it, it wasn't how I structured my business. You know, you know, we kept patients. We grew the hygiene department um, in, in my practice because people wanted to keep coming. And, and it, we know that in times of uh, economic difficulty that the world goes through on a cyclical basis, that those businesses that have a good base of regular attending customers are the ones that survive more comfortably than those that are always looking for new business when, when the consumer has to tighten their belt. And so um, I, I knew that we had to just create a structure for what we were doing with customer service. And when we created this structure uh, and put it all together, what I found was that the training system that I developed in my own office was really, what you find is that a lot of training in dental offices is that there's how we got to do it, there's how we got to do it, and people sitting there bored and 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 uninterested, arms crossed, eyes rolling. But when when I got my team to really tell me what they were doing in customer service and and present it back to the rest of the team, we got engagement from those team members as they realised that they were writing the the manual it wasn't me writing my manual it was them writing my manual and and so yeah you know, some some of our team meetings as we were putting together this this customer service manual you know was so much fun that we would have you know team members with tears of laughter coming down their face because the, the suggestions that were that were, were coming in terms of what we were doing in customer service were just uh, outrageous and fun and, the, and, and one of the other things that came about it was that some of the people who we thought were not really um, that special in our business in terms of their intellectual capacity still came up with some of the, the, the brightest, most innovative customer service things that they were doing in a one-on-one -on -one basis with the patients that even their other workers in their position. So there are other dental assistants and there are other uh, front office people didn't even know they were doing. So we've got this collaboration happening and, and you know, the, 
the team would say, well, you know, if you're doing that down the back, we can do that up the front and we can build on that. And so we've got this synergy because just like a football team, yeah, if there's a one weakness in the defence, the opposition's going to run through that all day. And in, in a dental office, if you've got one team member who's weak in their position, that's where the leakage of patients is going to happen. That's where you're going to lose patients. So you could be the best dentist, the best hygienist, the best front office person, the best dental assistant. If somebody else on the team has a weakness that they don't know about, that they don't know how to improve, that they were never taught how to improve, then that's going to be, that's going to be a puncture point that, that air is going to leak out, patients are going to leak out, water is going to leak out of your business. So you're yeah, looking at the business from the, the, the customer's point of view. And I, and I see this in coaching. You know, I, I, I have clients who say to me, you know, I've got this dental assistant and all she's doing is building burr blocks and, 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 and scrubbing instruments while patients are waiting unattended. And don't they understand that, that a patient waiting unattended is a negative, we can just buy more instruments, we can buy more bird blocks, you know, we can, we can always have instruments stocked up, but we can't have patients stocked up if we're offending them and neglecting them. So um, you can see I'm passionate about my belief that it's got to all revolve around the customer. Right, right. So the customer is at the center of all this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because if you haven't got a paying customer, you know, I, I, I had a client in Pennsylvania last year, just built a whole new facility and, uh, you know, five hygienists, two dentists working. And he every hour he found that he had a bottleneck in his new facility because he only had three room at the front office for three people to work, which meant that seven people were coming out every hour, but only three were being served at one time. And so the analogy is, you know, and I've got friends who go to Nordstrom Rack and they line up with seven pairs of shoes and there's eight registers and only two open. And guess what they do? Half the time they just dump the shoes and walk out and go down to Nordstrom's and buy them down there and pay and get the service. Right. And, right. and, and so I said, you're offending your customers by having them, you know, they come out from their treatment and there's nobody there to, you know, they've got to wait to pay you money. Right. Can you like walk me through, let's say I'm just walking side by side with you, like into your office when you are running it versus a traditional office. Yeah. What did I see differently? Like I'm yeah. a patient just walking in. Okay. So, so, so first of all, um, our office was uh, located on the third floor of a building. And, and in the U S that's really the fourth floor because we have ground one, two, three. Um, so we, we didn't have street frontage and uh, it was a medical building and, and, and we had no street frontage. We had very limited street signage. So people had to know where we were uh, and had to be able to, to find us. And that was because the, the owner of the, the building was, uh, well, it was originally owned by some ophthalmic surgeons who then sold it to an investor. Um, and investor was a very polite name for him because he just ran the building down. Um, but, you know, we had a glass front door and, and, and I took, it's interesting, I took over my neighbor's practice when he retired. He sold me, his practice came to work for me for a year. And so I had to combine the space of where his office was and my office was. And I had all my plumbing down one side and it was a really um, um, different sort of shape. So people would walk in a glass door and then they would walk down a, a, uh, a corridor, um, a corridor into our client lounge and the corridor. So you couldn't see through the glass door into a, a traditional waiting room. You know, most, most dental offices, people open the door or they can look through a glass door and they see a desk with an upstand and a fish tank and uh, and some chairs and and that might be it so they walked down this corridor and it was as if they were walking into somebody's living room there was only four chairs there was a very large coffee table coffee table style magazines and books um it it you know there was no uh, dental literature there were no dental uh, before and after magazines there it was as if you had come home uh and a you know, big bowl of apples 
on the on the on the table. There was a little small upstand where a uh, a computer uh, monitor was, so people coming in would know, you know, this is where they had to had to stop to be greeted, and somebody would then appear from another area to to greet them. So our dental reception staff did not sit behind a desk in that room. Uh, they sat in other rooms. Um, they had vision, so they were down a hall, but they had vision through glass doors to to see those people. But those people were in a private, uh, relaxed uh, atmosphere. And and then from that, as they were as they were then um, needed to come down for treatment, somebody would come out and get them, and then take them further down. So that, you know the the smell of the dental office, the noise of the of the of the doing of the dentistry was was quite removed from those uh, from from that client lounge area. The other thing um, the other thing is that when they when a patient arrived. Uh, somebody would always know that they were coming in and and be there to greet them and know who they were as well. So as opposed to somebody having to actually sign in or say, hi, I'm Mrs. Smith, I'm here for a two o'clock appointment, they would actually be greeted by, um, hi, you must be Mrs. Smith. My name's uh, Jane. I spoke to you on the phone. Welcome to uh, Active Dental. How's your day been? So our, our aim was to... Beat the greet, um, you know, to, for us to greet them before they greeted us with who they were. That was, that was a point of difference because everybody knows, you know, you go to your doctor, you stand at the counter, you tell them who you are, they look at a screen and then they say, yeah, the, the common line is just take a seat, won't be too long. That's a common line everywhere. My hairdresser used to say it. I'd, I'd be sitting waiting to have my hair cut or I'd be having my hair cut from him. And other people in the salon, someone would turn up and they go, just take a seat, won't be too long. And I go, that's what we're saying. And that's really offensive. How can we make that sound better? And so we said, well, let's, you know, hi. You must, even, if, even if we didn't know them, even if it wasn't Mrs. Smith in the end, the greeting was always impressive, you know. And so we always wanted to make sure that everything that we said was the best it could be, the best it could be. Um, you know, I, I had a staff member who used to tell patients if they were early. Patients would turn up and she, you know, maybe sometimes 10, 15, 20 minutes early and this staff member would go, oh, you know you're early, as if to say, you know you're an idiot. And I said, no, maybe we should think of a better way to say that without offending them. Why don't we thank them for coming in early? So I said, oh, thanks for coming in early. Let me go and see if Dr Moffat can see you sooner. We really appreciate it if our patients come in early because sometimes it helps us catch up some time. Praise them for what they do. And so then she, she used to come down to the office, to the dental treatment room. She'd say, oh, just so you know, Mrs. Smith's here for her, her 10 o'clock appointment and she knows she's early. So she'd compound the error by saying that in front of another patient. And I thought, well, why don't you say this? Why don't you say Mrs. Smith's here for her 10 o'clock appointment and I thanked her for coming in early. And so the patient that's being treated, then he's, oh, they like them to come in early. So this subliminal message. So we looked at every communication in the practice, both verbal and physical, and thought, how can that be improved to sound better, to sound best, so that it, it, it created a, a positive message so that people and, 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 and in our office, we spoke far more. We didn't rely on ele electronic um, transmissions. I know people who who run practices with with headsets and and computer pop ups, and there's no verbal communication. And so the the patients within the business don't hear the please, thank you, you're welcome, have a nice day communications that verbal communication creates. And so they they lose they the office through trying to create efficiencies lose. When, uh, Noreen, when uh, my contract ended uh, after five years, I, 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 I um, did a bit of work for a few months uh, down in, uh, outside of Sydney where I have a, a rural property. I worked a couple of days a week there helping out a dentist for, for a few months. And I didn't even know this feature existed on dental software, but 
I'd be working with my, my dental assistant and all of a sudden she'd just say, yeah, next one's here. And I, <laughs> the first time I heard that, I, you know, I, I nearly jumped out of the chair. I'm going, where's that come from? How does she know? And what I realized was that the computer monitor, which was behind me, so she was facing me, she could see it, yeah, and she had the monitor not on the patient's treatment, but on the appointment schedule. And so, you know, the, the, the color of the appointment would change on the monitor. And I thought, what a dreadful thing to say, because the patient in my chair would obviously think, well, you know, 50 minutes ago, I was the next one here. <laughs> and, and, and so I asked them, I said, is it, is it really too much to just get someone from the front office to just come down and say, look, I'll just let Dr. Moffat know you're, you're here. Um, and, and, you know, they come down, they let me know, I thank them. So the patient I'm treating hears this conversation, this brief conversation, then goes back out the front and says, you know, Dr. Moffat's running on time or Dr. Moffat said, how is, you know, your, uh, your, the movie that you went to see last week? Creating all these little um, personal things as opposed to, you know, your next MODs here on, on tooth number 21, I think. Is that all they think of me as a as a as a cavity, a tooth, and a and a credit card? You know, we didn't want that. We wanted things to be personable. So right. we would get people turn up for their dental appointments early because of the because of the relationship they had with the other office staff, and 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 I would find that even after they completed treatment, some patients would still be in the office half an hour later, just chatting with the staff. It really became an experience. So you get back to you know, it, the ultimate patient experience. What that's what we wanted. We wanted it to be the best it could possibly be, and you know, not perfect. We wanted it to be ultimate. Right. In my uh, in in our business, um, we made a choice to be the best in the world at everything we do. So uh, we have small teams, and they try to be the best in the world at their piece of the of the puzzle. And then, of course, the key is like you said, putting it all together. And, um, and I think once you give people a purpose of try to be the best in the world, they don't justify their mistakes. They don't explain their mistakes. Their question is how do we do better than the way we did it yesterday? And uh, that's a great feeling and a great uh, environment to be in because you, know, you can continue to improve, continue to think. So that's great that you chose that um, you know, focused, uh, ultimate patient experience. So it's never good enough. It's always improving. Always. That was the thought. You know, how, how can we be better tomorrow than we were today? How can today's appointment for Mrs. Smith be better than her appointment last week? You know, um, how, can, how can we do that? And, you know, we had one patient, um, he... He was a, uh, in the 20 years that I treated him, he was a, a storeman, a, um, a, a garbage man, and a postman. And uh, those were his jobs. So he didn't fit the profile of somebody who could afford to be paying our higher fees, you know, because we, we certainly did charge a higher fee than our neighbours. Um, but he, you know, he would come regularly. And so every time his name appeared in the book, you know, for, for his hygiene visit, we'd, we'd look uh, you know, the, at the huddle and say, all right, whatever we're doing for Russell, let's find out what we're doing for him. And that's what we've got to be doing for everybody else because he's not our typical patient. And, and so that's, that's what we did. Um, I remember we, uh, we, I had a patient, uh, her name was Thea. And, you know, I sent her a birthday card and she sent me a card back one year and said, uh, it just said simply, you know, uh, David, unfortunately, I can't come and see you anymore because Brian and I have lived too long and we have now run out of money. And, and you know, so we're going to go to the local you know, government hospital and, have, and be treated there. And I thought, well, here's a woman who used to turn up, you know, very well dressed. Brian probably drank more coffee in my client lounge than anybody else but he was never a patient because he only had false teeth but his wife had teeth and I, I, I just sent her a card back and I said Thea um, your dental treatment is basically done 
And so you're really just in a regular hygiene maintenance. And there, there might be a couple of things to do, but there won't be much. Uh, and so what I'd like to do for you is that for the rest of your life, you can have complimentary dental treatment from me for being such a great patient. And so, yes, she actually outlasted me. I don't know what happened um, because uh, she, was, uh, she was still going when I... Um, when I, I left the office three years ago, she, you know, she was getting up to 87, 88, and, and she was still very appreciative of that, that, um, of that gesture from us. And, and, and it, was, it was an easy thing to do because, we, because my, my fees were um, high, I had more profit in the business, and so I was able to, you know, I was able to decide who I treated um, what I did with my money, what I did you know, with, with you know, you know, something, you, know, you get a crown back or a patient breaks a piece of porcelain off a crown, no blame, just replace it. Um, easy as that. And, and, and so that was our philosophy, you know, not, not to be, you know, we didn't want to be looking like we were, we were, we were, we were trying to squeeze every last dollar and, and, and keep things as low as possible and, and look mean. We wanted everything to be pleasant, comfortable and, um, and the only way you can do that is to is to provide a good service, make a profit, and then you can decide what you do with that profit, be it benevolence or you know, consumption or investment. Right. Let me ask you this. Um, so I think we are moving towards an age where it's all people don't even talk to each other. Right? They are you know looking at their smartphones all day long and you know, texting and tweeting and Facebooking and so forth. But when you give them that human connection, when you give them that you matter to me, you are important to me, it resonates with them. I guess you give them significance. You give them, uh, you know, you, you make them feel important. Is that a key part of what the ultimate patient experience is? It is absolutely those those words um, make me feel important. Um, Mary Kay Ash said it way back when, in in the fifties, I think she said everybody's walking around with an invisible sign around their neck which says "Make me feel important," and that's what we've got to do. The number one reason that people leave any business, um, Narin, is that is is through apathy and perceived apathy that they get from the staff and the owners of those businesses. And so, you know, it's, it's not about bad workmanship or it, it, it's about not being perceived as being relevant and important. And so the easiest way to make somebody feel as if they're unimportant is to ignore them. And sadly, the, the, you know, the, 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 the predilection that the population now has with uh, looking at their device, you know, ahead of even looking in the direction that they are going, um, tends to feed this, just leave me alone and I'll contact you when I'm, you know, I'll speak to you when I'm ready. But there are people, you know, at the dental, the dental practice is not, you know, it's, it's not like waiting to board a, you know, a, a, uh, a plane or a ship it's people are nervous there and one of the easiest ways to put people at ease is to talk to them as opposed to leave them to their own devices because you know how many times can they look at their emails really how many times can they scroll down their their facebook and their instagram and their twitter feeds uh but if we can talk to them you know how was your day you know where do you work you know tell me about your family what do you got planned for the weekend um, any big things coming up in the future, you know, um, got any trips planned, just ask them questions about themselves and, and people love to talk about themselves. That's their favourite subject. Get them talking about themselves. So, th again, this is what we did with the team. Don't talk about yourself, talk about them. Find out about them, find out information about them and, and record that information and pass that information on to other people so that when somebody comes in for some restorative work, you can, you know, the dentist can say, now, when you saw um, our hygienist Stacy last week, you were telling her that you're, you, 
you're going off to see you know, that new Stephen King movie. How was it? And, of course, you know, the patient hasn't said that to us. She said it a week or two before to the hygienist. All of a sudden, the patient realises that we're interested in them as a person. You know? make, make a note. If they say they're going on a vacation, when they come back in you know, next time for their hygiene visit, say, how was that vacation? That you, know, you, you went off to New Zealand. You went off to, to Vietnam. How was, how was that? How was your wedding anniversary? All these sort of things. You know, talk to them. And so engage them. You know, people can live with it looking at their device for half an hour or an hour. Um, most people can. Right. I mean, um, so how do you make them feel important? One is, like you said, be interested in them, right? Ask them, remember what they said. Then somebody else brings it up so they know that you're really important to them, that they, people actually talked about what you said. Um, and I guess when you, you know, before you even recommend treatment, I bet you ask what they want, why they are there, what are their wishes, instead of telling them what you think they need. Am I on the right track on that? Yeah, it, it take, yeah it, take, it, take, it takes, you have to focus on what you're doing with conversation. And, and so very early on with my team members, we talk about, conversations that are important and conversations that are fluff and 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 there are three fluff subjects that we avoid um you know the first one is the weather because you can't change the weather the weather is what the weather is and you just have to deal with the weather so let's not even talk about the weather because when you hear two people talking about the weather and you're an observer of this conversation, you really think that it's two people just talking about nothing. Yeah, hasn't it been hot today? Yeah, I can't, yeah. hasn't it been wet today? You know, you can't change the temperature. You can't change the, you know, the amount of rainfall. Right. And that just happens. And, and so when, they are, when, they, when the weather, the topic of the weather comes up, what you do is you don't talk about the weather back. You say, you know, so somebody says, Oh, this this rain! I wish it would stop. Why? Wow, sounds like you've got something on. Yeah, I've got a, a, a an outdoor wedding to go to. I've got a golf game to play. I've got a trip planned. So we're, we're then on to something more tangible than just weather. Um, and so there's a skill in 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 getting away from that. But, but it's it's about asking the second question, asking the third question. The same with time. The the other thing is you know. I mean, as a, as a scientist, as a dentist, as a scientist, I learned pretty quickly that time is a constant. You know, the, I, I've yet to find any research that the earth speeds up and slows down as it moves around the sun. It's the same speed around the sun every year. And therefore, when somebody says, I can't believe it's almost Easter, I can't believe it's almost Christmas, I can't believe how fast this year's gone, those, those are, are fluff statements. What they're saying is, this year seems to be, you know, this year seems to be going so quickly. So our, our thing is, sounds like you've been busy. Tell me what you've been doing. So we're talking about them. So we're getting off the, 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 the time issue. You know, other people say, you know, I can't believe it's almost Christmas. Why? Have you got a lot of Christmas shopping to do? You know, let's get on to something else. We talk about their family, their occupation, their recreation, and their dreams and desires. So there's an acronym there, F-O-R-D. That's what we train our, our, our staff to do and talk about them, not us. The third, the third fluff topic, you know, so time, weather, the third fluff topic is talking about ourselves. And so that's a no-no as well. And the worst topic in that, and everybody knows it, is the dental employee who's planning their own wedding. Because that <laughs> just bores the pan. Yeah, yeah. They, you'll find patients will be reaching for firearms to put themselves out of misery. Yeah, it, 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 if somebody else in the office hasn't done that already. Yeah, that that is the yeah the office gets fed about, but fed up with it. But yeah, the, the fact about talking about weather and time, I've seen places where where patients will say, "Look, I, I really don't want to go in with that dental assistant. All she ever talks about is the weather." 
She's the weather girl. Yeah. We don't want to be known as the weather girl. Hasn't it been hot today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about real things. And, and so what's important to the patient? Them. Talk about them. I love the okay. acronym. You've been coming here a while. Yeah. F-O-R-D. Family, occupation, recreation, and desire. Occupation, recreation, dreams and desires. Yep. Perfect. That's, that's, I mean, it's all about them. So is that, how you, is that all you have to do to give somebody significance? Or are there other things you can do besides being interested in them? That's the easiest thing to do. Obviously, gifts, uh, you know, tokens of uh, appreciation, um, spontaneous things uh, uh, are um, very important. But that you, the way you find out about those spontaneous things is to have your staff with their radar up and asking questions about people. So they mention... Um, things so we you know we once sent some champagne to uh, as a as a wedding gift uh, and delivered it to the wedding reception for for one of our patients who who was very excited about getting married again totally something that they wouldn't have expected their dentist to uh, to to present a gift of champagne uh, you know, during the speeches at their wedding yeah you know, we're looking at, at little things like that uh, other other patients we you know, would talk about travel and so we would say well we've been there Th these are some of the places that we thought were interesting interesting and make them a list and you know, you know get the new york pass when you go to new york and you know if you're going to go out to the statue of liberty make sure you you get there first thing in the morning otherwise it's the whole day gone um little things like like that just little tips uh, uh, of, of advice you know where what do you want to see in new york because it's a big place and you know where you stay can determine you know your access to to different things you don't want to be staying somewhere where you've got to travel for an hour to get you know downtown um you, you know you might be better off staying downtown or might be better off staying midtown little things like that um just just again being on their agenda rather than our agenda and, and, you know, I, I tell the story, I heard this story, you know, 25 years ago of a, a, of a, a, a chap who travelled on a flight from New York to Los Angeles and he, his sole goal was, the person that he was sitting next to, his sole goal was to only talk in questions to that person. And so when they interviewed the, you know, the, the, the second passenger, when he got off the plane, they said, how was your flight? Oh, yeah, it was good. How was the, the chap that, uh, that you sat next to? And he said, he was the most interesting person I've <laughs> ever met. And they said, they said, what was his name? He goes, yeah, it's funny. He never mentioned it. And, right. and it, why was he interesting? Because he was interested in, in, in the passenger. So to be interesting, you've got to be interested You've got to be interested in, in them. Not, a, not about you. It's about them. So, I, um, that's awesome. So I like the you know, spontaneous, right? I mean, it's about variety. If it's like automated, it doesn't work. No, and, and it has to be genuine. And, and because people do business with people they like. You know, they accept, right. they accept treatment. You know, if they like you, you know, there's reciprocity. If you like them and you're outwardly interested in them, there's, there's, you know, Caldini's law of reciprocity. They're more likely to buy. They're more likely to accept treatment. They're more likely to, to get the treatment done sooner rather than later. All things which, are, uh, which they benefit from, you know, delayed dental treatment doesn't win anybody any favours. You know, it only wins inheritance. That's all it does. If somebody dies without having gotten their dental treatment, then the money passes to their estate. But other than that, you know, if, if somebody delays dental treatment, the tooth breaks, the tooth blows up, the decay gets worse, the crack gets bigger. So our aim is to make people feel comfortable so they, they you, know, you know, we all know, we all know that we like doing business with people who we like. You know, I've got uh, just here where I live in Sydney, um, you know, 
where I live, there's not many shops around and uh, you know, I've, I've got a, a, a dry cleaner one way, about a mile one way from my home and then half a mile the other way is my, my post office box where I pick up my mail. Well, guess what happened? There's a dry cleaner set up next door to my post office and I go to that post office you know, two, three times a week but you think I've ever used the, the dry cleaner next door to them? It would be convenient. It's, in the, it's right next door. It's saving me going down a mile the other way to the other one. No, because I like the people down there. You know, I've never done any dental business on them. In fact, one of the ladies there really needs to some good dentistry, but she's just such a pleasant person, always nice, and, uh, and, and they, yeah, the dry cleaning's good. 25% of the population are in are happy to pay whatever fee somebody charges for anything, be it for dry cleaning, be it for doing your wife's hair, doing your wife's nails, uh, being for cleaning your pool, mowing your lawn, if the service is good. And they don't care. I don't know what the chap who mows my lawn charges my next door neighbour. He does his. I don't know what my neighbours over the road pay their people to get their lawns mowed. All I know is the guy does a good job on mine and he's been mowing my lawn for six years now since I stopped mowing it myself. He recommended me my current pool guy because the pool guy before was hopeless. And I got this great pool guy. And I don't care whether, 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 whether I'm paying you know, $20 a month more for my pool to be clean because it's clean. Right. 20%, 20 to 25% of the population are like that. So why can't we practice dentistry like that? When you practice dentistry looking after that 20, 25% of the population, it's so much nicer. It's nicer for you. It's nicer for the patients. It's nicer for your team. They'll, they're happy to pay the price. When you cater to the 70 to 75% who just want you to beat you down to the bottom dollar and squeeze you, and so that you, know, you, you end up going home and saying, well, look, you know, we just made payroll this week. I've got clients like that where they haven't paid themselves for a, a couple of weeks sometimes. Because I, yeah, I say, why are your fees so low? There's, there's a whole world out there of people who want to receive good service at the dentist because it's so rare and you can provide it. Right. I mean, you touched on some core points. You talked about significance. You talked about certainty, right? You know, I, I want to know that you're going to do a good job and I'm willing to pay for that good job, right? I don't care what the other guy charges as long as you're doing a good job and you make me feel important and uh, you surprise me with, like those gestures, like, you know, like you talked about that wine bottle and there's no way I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. Because no other dentist is doing it. So for all those people who appreciate certainty, who appreciate significance and who appreciate a little bit of variety, you know, you have a client for life who would pay more and who would tell every person he gets the chance to about how great you are. Hmm. Exactly. And it's so rare in dentistry to, to get that, that, that feeling. The, I received that exact same feeling when I, uh, back in the 90s, I, I sought out to have uh, laser eye surgery. And uh, I mentioned earlier in the call that my building was originally owned by, by some ophthalmic surgeons. They had a practice downstairs from me. And I went to them first up and they, you know, they, they said, oh, you've got to do one eye at a time and you've got to have um, PRK because that's where we scratch the epithelium off and it grows back and, and LASIK is too risky because they, you know, they slice off the epithelium and create a flap, lift a flap, and then they place a flap back after they've lasered and that's really risky. So I said, yeah, all right, let's do the PRK. Well, it was the most painful thing I'd ever had done and it lasted for a month that I couldn't see um, clearly in bright sunlight. And I thought, I'm not going through this for my other eye. So I sought out who has done LASIK. And this is back in the early days when, when these two, you know, laser eye surgery was very uh, new on the scene. I found a, a, a surgeon across the other side of Sydney and I went over there and I was in his office for about two hours before I actually got to meet him. You know, so I was meeting all the team, getting, you know, getting my eyes measured up by orthoptists and drops and this and that. Finally, he appears towards the end of the appointment. And by that time, I'm sold. I'm sold on his business because everybody there had been so nice. And he was nice too. So he was, he was good. 
and 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 history will show that you know I had the, the surgery from him, and the next day I could see clearly no um, no. Um, it was a far less painful procedure. Uh, there was no uh, daylight blindness from it. And, uh, uh, and yeah, he then did some correction on the first eye for me. And another time I, I got something stuck in my eye at work and I couldn't work out why my eye was painful. And I went downstairs and they just brushed me aside and I thought this is crazy and I you know, went home and I rang him and he said can you get across and I went across and saw him and he he, he found that I had a piece of what it looked like a piece of a bird talon stuck in my eye in my eyelid stuck in the in the inside of my eyelid so he couldn't see it when he was looking at my eyes but finally got it out and and um, and his service was so good but getting back to that first visit and that first visit there is a model out there for for businesses like that but so many businesses think well i'm the doctor almighty and everything's got to revolve around me and it and his wasn't like that and the model is seen yeah you know, it's 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 actually one of the greatest movies of all time and that's the wizard of oz because in the wizard of oz by the time dorothy gets to meet the wizard she's already decided that whoever he is and he ends up being just his little old man behind the curtain. He's the only person who's going to get her back to Kansas. And that's what she's got to do. And that's the message that we want in our dental office. We want our team to be so good at what they do that our patients believe that, you know, the dentist is, is really irrelevant. He's just doing the good dentistry. But the service is so great. I couldn't go anywhere else because the service would be so bad. Right. A couple of other things I noticed in our conversation. You talked about uh, connection and love, right? Appreciating people, you know, remembering things that they said and talking about it again. You know, giving, doing small favors. Hey, you're going to New York. Here is a, you know, a few things you may want to do because I went to New York and this is what I enjoyed. Um, is that important to a practice? I mean, where people feel you, you love them, you care about them not just as a paycheck, but as a human being, as a friend, as somebody who you care for? I, I think it is. It, it certainly worked for me. Um, years ago, you know, my children are 24 and 21 now. Uh, when my daughter was born, she's my eldest, in 1993, a friend of mine uh, said to me, he said, children spell love T-I-M-E. And any parent will say, yeah, that's the truth. Spend time with your kids and they'll love you unconditionally. You know, ignore them. And that's where you end up with, with, with issues down the track. So children spell love T-I-M-E. Small children spell love T-I-M-E. Patients spell it the exact same way. Spend time with them. Make them feel like a human being. Um, uh, as I said, I mentioned that I've been working in a, in uh, a couple of other practices since I left my practice 2014 after I had my shoulder surgery. Just, uh, you know, I'd, I'd um, have a room one day a week in one of my friend's practices. And he's got a good practice. He's got a really good practice. But, you know, I'm, I'm only there one day a week. And his staff for four, that I get for four days, you know, for four other days of the week, they work differently to how I want them to work. And one of the things they do is they just put the patient in the room and then they leave the patient sitting, staring at a blank wall. And I'm thinking, you know, if, I, if I'm that patient and I'm about to spend, you know, two, four, six, eight thousand dollars on some, some crowns in my mouth and I'm just left there unattended, I'm going to be thinking, you know, what's going on here? You know, that's not really good service. And when you find out what the, the staff member's gone to do while they've left the patient unattended, sometimes it's not really much. And you think, just sit with them and ask them, yeah, how's your day been? Yeah, tell me about your family. You're wearing a suit. Do you work around here? Yeah, how long have you worked there? You must like it if you've worked there that long. Yeah, have you ever thought of doing anything else? What else do you do? What is that? What is a systems operator? What does that do? Yeah. Ask them questions. Spend time with them. I right. appreciate that. Do you feel um, you have to help people grow? Do you feel education is important in this ultimate patient experience? Or 
not as oh, much. Oh, yeah. I think you have to, to you know, no, but um, people can acquire skills, any skills. You know, nobody's born with a golf club in their hand or a football under their arm. You know, they learn through diligent practice and repeat um, how to kick a football, how to pass to football, how to hit a golf ball, how to hit a draw, how to hit a high lob, how to get out of bunkers. They learn those sort of things. They learn how to run fast. They learn how to do a good long jump. They learn those things. And learning how to talk to people is a skill that you can acquire. You know, if, if, if people can learn how to not stutter when they speak, then they can certainly learn what are the questions to ask. And and so teaching your staff how to be interested in other people is is a way of helping them grow. So um, yeah, it, it comes down to it really comes down to you know, Dale Carnegie, doesn't it? How to win friends yeah. and influence people. Mm-hmm. One of the quotes from Dale Carnegie that changed my life is he said. Uh, um, the world is full of people who are grabbing and self-seeking. In that world, the rare individual who focuses his attention on helping others get what they want has no competition. And uh, he said it 60 or 70 years ago, and it's more true today than it was you know, even 70 years ago. It's pretty scary. I think a lot of people don't feel that you are focused on helping them get what they want. You're focused on them. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's it's so it's it's so nice to help people get what they want. Yeah, um, yeah. Carnegie, Napoleon Hill, um, Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, those books that they wrote. Yeah. 70, 80 years ago, have stood the test of time about how to how to really deal with people um, right. and and make them feel important. Right, and I'm a big fan of Robert Cialdini. So um, everything you're saying makes ton of sense to me. I really, really enjoyed this uh, conversation, Doctor. Anything I can do for you, or anything you are willing to share with our audience? Well, thank you, Narin. Um, I've really enjoyed talking with you, and uh, and uh, it's been great to hook it up. We're getting we're almost up to uh, eight thirty in the morning down here now. So, so thank you, thank you for organising the time of the call. If uh, if any of your listeners want to uh, find out more about me, they can they can visit my website, which is uh, theultimatepatientexperience.com, all one word. The ultimate patient experience.com. Uh, there I've got uh, um, my, my twice a week blog appears there. It also appears at uh, upeblog.com. They can subscribe to that. They can see where I'm, I'm talking. I've got a, a meeting I'm doing in Dallas on the, the second or the third, the third of November, Friday, the third of November. I'm doing a meeting in Dallas. I'm also speaking at a meeting in Sydney, Australia on the 2nd of December at this stage. I think I'm also doing a, uh, a dental cruise uh, next year out of uh, Fort Lauderdale in March as well at this stage. So, and, I've, and I've got a meeting planned for those of your listeners that are in Europe, a uh, meeting planned for London at the end of July next year. But, uh, but I tend to... As, as we, we spoke about, tend to uh, coach clients one-on-one on a private basis. And so in, in that sort of situation, um, as I mentioned, you know, I'm taking them from where they are to where they want to go as opposed to taking them from where they are to where I want them to go. Um, you know, I, I, I want to create a business that they're happy with that's improved for them. And you, know, you can have two business, two dental practices side-by-side that see different sort of clients. And so you can't put them into the same machine and spit out this, the same thing at the end. You've got to cater it for the, the personalities of the, of the dentist 
and for the personalities of the of the patients and and try and you know work things on an individual uh, basis which is what i what i like to do and so if they're interested in coaching they can find information about that on my uh, website as well the ultimate patient experience.com and they can contact me via email um, david at the upe.com and find me on facebook david moffat um yeah i'll friend anybody who's a uh, in the dental business happy to to um to talk to them there and 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 uh be friends with them there I, you know what you see is what you get as as you've experienced in this um this interview uh, you know i've got no nothing to hide i'm very transparent with my life uh, on facebook and you know there's business messages there's personal things there so uh, uh you know i'm a very open sort of person and on linkedin as well so i think that's pretty well how you can contact me all around the world Nareen. absolutely doctor we're going to put all of this information in the call notes so people can easily you know either call you or email you or you know um go to your website and contact you that way but hopefully they can also come and see you live uh, you know across the world as you speak and i would love to have yeah, you that would be wonderful yeah i was saying i would like to have you back at some point uh, i had a lot of fun i'm i'm going to have my team also listen to this because uh you know uh, i mean you 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 kind of um, took some really core human principles and you Uh, made it come alive and uh, i think uh, in this world of technology i think uh, what's missing is that human touch that human connection so i think you really understand something really important well thank you i've really enjoyed talking with you thanks for ha- having me on your show absolutely doctor thank you very much and um I hope to see you again and for all of those listening thank you for listening to another episode of the growing dentist podcast show with Dr David Moffa